When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. Now, I'll, I'll blame our leadership here in the House. They have papered over these differences for weeks. But Obamacare is dead. It's a dead health care plan. It's not even a health care plan, frankly. But finally, we can dispense of this notion that they got the votes, right? Because here we are, and they don't have the votes. Hello, and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about Donald Trump, the president who wants you to know that whatever it is, it'll be terrific and it'll be great. I'm Jamel Bowie, Slate's chief political correspondent and your host for today's show. If you pay attention to the news for a living— And maybe even if you don't, this has been a ridiculous week, a ludicrous week even. On Monday, FBI Director James Comey confirmed the existence of an investigation into the Trump campaign. On Wednesday, House Intelligence Committee Chair Devin Nunes threw Washington into chaos when he revealed that intelligence agencies had picked up information from Trump and his associates. It didn't vindicate the president's claim that he had been wiretapped, The information was incidental, meaning neither Trump nor his associates were targets, but it muddied the waters in a spectacular way. And at the same time as all of this, House Republicans were rushing to complete and pass their health care bill, the American Health Care Act. Objections from the most conservative members of the House forced lawmakers to go back to the drawing board, essentially rewriting the entire bill in a bid to transform the health care system with little input or discussion. As of this recording, that effort has gone awry. Speaker Paul Ryan announced the House would not hold a vote, and negotiations are ongoing. It is perhaps the most hectic and chaotic week in Washington since just after the inauguration. And right now, it doesn't look like it's slowing down. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our guest today to talk about this hectic week of news and controversy is Abby Phillip, White House reporter for The Washington Post and a political analyst for CNN. Hi, Abby. Welcome to Trumpcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. So uh, this has been uh, a ridiculous week, uh, I think we can safely say, and especially the past 24 hours. 
early yesterday or mid-afternoon yesterday, the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, Devin Nunes, kind of went to the press to attempt to vindicate President Trump's claim that he had been wiretapped by noting that there was surveillance collected on him, but this was incidental information and wasn't really directly related to Trump. So it's sort of this weird breach of protocol, and it's really alienated his co-chair or vice chair, rather, Adam Schiff, uh, the Democrat. And it led Senator McCain to say, frankly, that there needs to be a special committee to investigate all of that. So I feel like if that, if only that had happened yesterday, that would be the news for the week. That's a huge deal. But today, you know, we were supposed to have a vote on this healthcare bill, the American Healthcare Act, that Republicans have been working on for the past month or so. And as last time I checked, and it's we're talking on Thursday, that is out of the window. We're not having a vote. I don't believe they've scheduled a time for a vote. We're kind of in this holding pattern. So what I want to ask you is what happened? I, I, I confess that I've been working on other stuff and wasn't paying too much attention to the healthcare shenanigans. And all of a sudden, the things seem to have fallen apart. So what happened here? Um, in the last 24 hours, I think we've seen really uh, the rubber, you know, meeting the road finally for Republicans who've been talking about repealing and replacing Obamacare. It's clearly much more difficult than they thought. And what's really holding them back is a combination of the procedural hurdles that they have to overcome. They have to meet certain requirements in order for the bill to pass through this arcane reconciliation process, those rules are determined by the Senate. Uh, and that means that there are a lot of things that they cannot do in this in this bill. And that has really upset uh, the most conservative elements of the House, the Freedom Caucus, and groups outside of Congress who are putting a lot of pressure on Freedom Caucus members to oppose the bill. The Freedom Caucus really wants this bill to be a lot more conservative than it is. Uh, they want to... Um, most importantly, strip the bill of, of virtually all of the mandates that the Affordable Care Act required, which incidentally are some of the most popular elements of the bill. So, for example, um, you know, prohibitions against barring people from coverage if they have pre-existing conditions, uh, people having their kids on their insurance until they're 26. Some of these are things that are mandated as part of what insurance has to cover under the Affordable Care Act. And these are the things that conservatives want to strip out of the bill. So that's put President Trump in a really tough spot because if people remember, he promised not to strip those things out of the bill. So uh, that's a no-go. So far, the negotiations have really fallen apart. They, uh, we're now hearing it's Thursday afternoon, noon at, you know, late, late in the afternoon that there are 30 or 40 no votes, solid no votes right now in the House, and that is definitely not going to work. You know, they're going to postpone it until Friday morning, perhaps, but there will not be a vote if there is not um, a good likelihood that it will pass. And right now, it, it's very clear that they don't have what it takes. So one thing I'm a little confused about is the Freedom Caucus wants to strip these essential benefits from from the bill uh, to make it more conservative. And that will that will kind of throw health insurance markets into chaos. It will do a lot of bad things. But that seems like a regulatory move. And if I have this correctly, you can't can you you can't do that through reconciliation. Reconciliation has can only deal with items related to the budget. That's right. That's the, the general gist of it. So what I've heard from sources on the Hill is that they believe that they can do, you know, there are two things here. One is essential benefits, which are some of these mandates. And then there's a second pool of mandates in what they call the Title I part of the bill that um, 
the Title I mandates are sort of uh, even more kind of central to the kind of coverage that people have actually now come to expect from, from their health insurance, meaning that uh, combined, the essential benefits in Title I basically mean that means that you cannot have a sort of catastrophic healthcare plan that is bare bones, that's skeletal, um, and that only gives you coverage if you're, you're essentially on the verge of, of death. But so... It, you can't really touch a vast majority of that in reconciliation for the reasons you just outlined. But House Republicans are saying that they can touch some of it in reconciliation, just not all of it. They do believe that it will still trigger, you know, challenges from Democrats in the Senate who will say, this breaks the rules, we can't do this. But ultimately, they believe that it won't kill the bill and they can move forward. The problem is that the Freedom Caucus is not satisfied with just some of these benefits being stripped out. They want all of them stripped out. And I think people are pretty confident that not only would that make the bill even more difficult to pass because it could uh, threaten moderate votes both in the House and the Senate, but it would almost certainly trigger a filibuster in the Senate because it just goes too far in touching things that do not deal with the budget. Right. And, and I think one of the other kind of technical difficulties here is that there hasn't been a CBO score for any of these changes, Congressional Budget Office score, to make that more clear. Uh, a lot of these changes are happening uh, on very short order. I, I want to say that this effort to to gut Title I basically occurred overnight with very little sort of input from any experts or anyone. So in a real sense, no one's really quite certain what any of this is going to do. And that to me is... It's very perplexing because I recall over the past seven years, Republican lawmakers, including Speaker Ryan, basically complaining that this was the essentially the process for the passage of the Affordable Care Act and that this was resulted in a bad bill and was uh, didn't take heed to public opinion and so on and so forth. And so is there anyone on the Hill uh, among Republicans kind of noticing this, that this process seems to be replicating what Republicans very forcefully argued against, not just seven or eight years ago, but consistently since then. Yeah, absolutely. And you're hearing a lot of this from Republicans, especially in the Senate, who are saying at basically at this point, their message has boiled down to, let's just slow this whole thing down. We're moving way too fast. Uh, we need to understand better what's in the bill. We need to understand better what the implications are. Um, so you're hearing a lot of that on the Senate side. This bill has not even gotten to the Senate, and it faces really long odds over there. Um, but the reason you're hearing that is because, yeah, they are concerned that they're uh, going to be jammed by um, whatever the House is, manages to cobble together in order to get it through um, you know, their conference. And then the Senate is going to be forced to take a really tough vote on something that they barely have had time to um, to digest. And tonight, Thursday night, they they have called off this vote partly because even if they had um, the votes, the, the procedures overall would have forced them to take a vote literally in the middle of the night, like midnight, one or two or 3 a.m. in the morning. And that's the sort of thing that, you know, those of us who are old enough to remember the, in the healthcare fight of yesteryear, the Republicans used to, to sort of 
make uh, these sort of middle of the night votes uh, uh, evidence of a kind of Washington cabal coming together to screw the American people. And, you know, there is some sensitivity among Republicans to that beyond just the fact that they don't have the votes. I think even if they did have the votes, it would be tough for them to schedule a vote at three o'clock in the morning and call it a done deal. Right. So what what's the reaction from the White House on this? Because President Trump has definitely gone all in in the bill. He has been lobbying uh, House Republicans to pass it. He says, and Press Secretary Sun Spicer says that they've been cutting deals to make this happen. Um, it's sort of unknown how much deal making is actually taking place, but certainly uh, the White House is, is firmly behind this bill. So do you, do you have any sense of what's going on over there and how they've reacted to? the apparent collapse of this effort? Well, the White House is definitely trying to push this forward. I mean, nobody wants to be finished with this more than the president um, in order to move on with other things. He's working the phones. He's trying to twist arms. But uh, it's important to remember that this is not a president who is well-versed in health policy. And so the degree to which he's able to cut deals, meaning um, giving and taking the, the trading of provisions, this provision for that, is that there's a limit to that. There's a limit to how much he's supposed to do. And, and one source, you know, a very smart person in healthcare who, who talks to folks in the White House said to me, you know, if you want to cut deals, you got to talk to Mike Pence because he's the one who really understands the sort of, in a more granular level of detail, what's up for grabs here. And so, you know, the president is doing what he can to to sort of uh, impose upon these members the, the seriousness of it for their political futures. Um, the fact that they made this promise to the American people that essentially the, the Republican base um, is in support of Trump and not so much in support of House Republicans. Um, so he's pushing the kind of political pressure on that front, but there is a limit to how much he can do on the policy because there's just not as much, um, there's not, he's not as fluent in that as some of the other folks on his team, but in particular Mike Pence, who's been dealing with a lot of these people in, in meeting after meeting after meeting over the last several weeks. So one thing I'm a little curious about and I guess I should say we're probably just going to have talking about healthcare because it's so interesting. <laughs> and there's, again, there's, uh, it's just so much, so much has happened regarding this over the past just few hours. But let's say Republicans managed to get this bill passed, get it passed through the House, um, the Senate's debating it. Kind of the backdrop to all of this politically is that it just isn't very popular. Uh, a new poll from Quinnipiac University uh, says that 17% of the public approves of the bill um, and 56% disapprove. Now, of course, the universe of people here is like not as large as say who could identify who Paul Ryan is or who Donald Trump is. But that's still a pretty significant number. The Affordable Care Act never had numbers that bad. Are Republicans even thinking about whether or not the public will respond well to this bill, given how unpopular it seems to be, and given how it seems to cut against promises that President Trump made on the campaign trail, that he would provide greater insurance at a lower cost, and if you if you couldn't afford it, then you'd get plenty of help to afford it, and no one would be worse off. Are Republican advocates kind of dealing with the fact that that doesn't seem to be the case? I think 
they are. I, in, but the way to think about this is definitely that Republicans Republicans are not all in the same kinds of districts. And you have some who obviously want the bill to be more conservative because their base is a little bit more sort of ideological or fundamentalist about the idea of just repealing the thing um, and replacing it as maybe, you know, slightly more secondary to that. And then there are other Republicans in districts that Hillary Clinton won or in districts where, you know, it was narrow, Trump may have narrowly won. And they're looking at these numbers and the headlines playing back home are talking about how much it's going to cost the states, whether it's going to imperil job creation, um, hurting hospitals who are employers in their districts. I mean, there's a lot of that going on. And that's one of the reasons why healthcare is a terrible uh, policy issue for any political party. It's just, you, it's really hard to win with this stuff. Um, but they are very sensitive to the idea that the original CBO score calls for essentially premiums to rise for, especially for older individuals um, it, as a result of the bill as it was written before all of these changes. We don't even know what, what the CBO score is going to look like once these changes are if these changes are made. So it, it's just, uh, it's a it's a complicated political minefield for a lot of Republicans. But right now, what is really driving the train here is that um, the Freedom Caucus is a large, you know, a fairly large chunk of the Republican conference. Um, and so the bill is moving to the right in order to accommodate those folks um, because they just need to kind of get something through. Where we'll see the impact of the bill provisions on, you know, entire states and entire populations, I think, is when we get to the Senate and you'll have some, you know, Republicans who are in states where Republican governors expanded Medicaid um, and they have to figure out what to do with those people. You'll see some of those concerns becoming even more um, important in as the debate moves forward. Well, that that both is disconcerting, um, that these kinds of big changes are being made without any real sense of what is going to happen as a result. And it'll be interesting to watch just as a, a political drama. I've been talking to Abby Phillip, White House reporter for The Washington Post and political analyst for CNN. Abby, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. And that's it for the show. Today's Trumpcast was produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcast. Andy Bowers is Panda Police Chief Content Officer. Jacob Weisberg is our Charles Xavier, minus the telepathy. And Slate Podcast fans, now you can listen ad-free for 90 days with Slate Plus in the new Slate iOS app. You'll also get extended episodes and an ad-free reading experience. Download today at slate.com app. I'm Jamel Bowie. Thank you for listening to Trumpcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.